A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you. It's Cork Today with you until one. JP in for Patricia today and ahead on the programme. Reaction from the Cabinet Subcommittee on COVID-19 who met last night and this is due to the increasing pressures on our health service. We'll be discussing that shortly on the programme but some of the items that did come up for discussion last night and could be implemented and we'll know for certain today is the digital certificates. They are likely to be extended to gyms and hairdressers and also people being urged to to wear face masks in crowded settings, both indoors and outdoors. And again, the talk yesterday, we had a big discussion yesterday on the show, a lot of calls and comments in regarding antigen tests and how they can play a bigger role in society and how also they can play a bigger role when it comes to close contacts in schools. We heard from so many people, parents and teachers as well. In fairness, a lot of teachers who were out on maternity leave were listening to the show and they had some very good points on what should be done regarding close contacts contacts and antigen testing within the schools because there's only so much a school can do they feel uh, in a situation like this so we'll discuss that this morning on the programme and your views are welcome and do you welcome what they are considering regarding the extension of the digital certs also we're going to hear how money lenders are seizing social welfare cards from those who are unable to pay back loans uh, this is where the independent councillor in Cork City Ken O'Flynn he has been approached by people who have been affected with this and by this and I suppose in a way been affected by the increasing cost of everything here in this country and the high inflation rates we are experiencing at the moment and due to that for Christmas people are looking to moneylenders to source presents and pay for goods up to and over the Christmas period. Well, it seems now the moneylenders apart from seizing local uh, people's social welfare cards they're also waiting outside post offices so when they come out collecting money they take the money or also want the social welfare card back of whoever is within the post office so we'll discuss that this morning on the programme also we'll have and we'll hear how COVID certs are now being required to visit loved ones within nursing homes. Ty Daly of Nursing Home Ireland will explain how that works and Eilisha Carroll who's best known for her role as Winnie on Mrs Brown Boys she will join us on the programme this morning because she'll be heading to East Cork to the 
Ballymaloo Malou Grain Store for her one woman show. So we'll chat to her about that, uh, what the show is about and also about Mrs Brown's Boys and her recent work outside of that as well with the live show of course that is on Halloween and what a big hit that was. She'll join us after 11.30 and after 12.30 our regular councillor Joe Heffernan will join us discussing the issue of gas lighting and we'll tell you more about that later in the show. It was a listener who contacted us to discuss this issue known as gaslighting and we'll explain more on that between now and one o'clock. And as always our lines are open, your comments are welcome 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 but while we were discussing yesterday using student teachers to, to leave colleges such as Mary I if they're in their final year, uh, what a better way to learn on the ground than go into a classroom. And that's what hopefully will happen because while we were discussing this yesterday and uh, had a lot of calls and comments from people regarding what is happening within schools, a uh, school here in Cork in Carrick Line, the Onabwe Educate Together School, uh, they had a lot of trouble yesterday trying to get cover uh, for a class in their school. Uh, so much so they actually appealed via Twitter uh, after two out of four teachers called in sick yesterday morning and by 8.15 the school had to inform parents that 12 children in senior infants the class would not be going ahead because they could not find a teacher uh, to replace the teacher that was out sick so again the shortage of substitute teachers and maybe if there was more than available from Mary I to go around and cover schools like this uh, that would be less of an issue but the impact there felt yesterday in Carrigaline and just speaking of young people this is again a worrying stash and worrying news coming out with regards to social media and why social media can be great it can also like everything else have a negative side and a very dark side too because nearly 60% of young people uh, this is people aged between 9 and 17 they have come out in a a recent report and they're basically saying that they've been sent uh, this is directly to them nasty or hurtful messages by cyber bullies it can be sent in a direct message or commented it on them under a picture or something and the majority of this is done via Facebook and Twitter. There are other social media outlets there, but Facebook and Twitter are the two where the nasty messages it can be from classmates or others appear to these people. And 59% who have received bullying messages, 38% of them are girls, 25% of them are boys, said it's happening to them on social media more so than any other platform such as phone text or, or WhatsApp. And the majority of that is going through Facebook and Twitter. And again, uh, the media minister, Catherine Martin, has said that this report showing a need now more those than, more so than ever really to be honest when you look at Facebook and what has come out about Facebook over the last uh, few weeks uh, legal reform is now needed online for safety and that is needed urgently she says and I think everybody would agree with that uh, the way that anybody can just attack someone on any of those forums or say something about somebody and there's no comeback and that is something that I think not only here in Ireland but across the country will change sooner rather than later and you it would also explain why the likes of Facebook and others are looking into themselves and changing their overall company names because they know this is coming down the line. And rightly so. You know, if everybody else is regulated, why should a certain proportion of our society, such as social media, not be regulated? And why are there people out there allowed to hurt others and say what they want and, and hurt another individual? Uh, and again, a lot of this, they would not say it to the person's face. So, you know, why 
are you allowed to say it on a media platform such as social media and not to the person's face? Uh, anyhow, uh, something else that you'll be well aware of if you're trying to buy a house at the moment, booming house prices. And on average, the properties here in this country, they have gone up at nearly €2,000 a month. So if you're bidding on a house, you'll be well aware of this. And I'm sure you'll say they're going up more than €2,000 a month. Uh, I know people who were involved in bidding processes at the moment and... Go there. They're bidding, you know, five, ten, twenty, thirty grand, and still being outbid. That's on top of the asking price, which could be anything from two fifty to three hundred and fifty thousand euros. So it's very tough at the moment for anybody who is trying to get on the property ladder or buy a family home. But speaking on that, if you're in Carrick Tool, you'll know too well that for a long time, must be over ten years, there's been an apartment block there, which is just simply being derelict. It didn't look the best, to be honest, in the area. Uh, but now it has been redone up and it is going to be uh, housing 95 apartments after the revamp. And that is in cooperation with the local authority and cooperative housing Ireland. They are going to be both working on this and the units seemingly are going to be available from March next year. And while there's a lot of talk about the current government and what they are doing together and what they are not doing together and uh, talk about within Fine Gael about their Tónaisilí of Varaikar, well a branch of Fine Gael's youth wing uh, has been terminated and this is just 24 hours after they issued a public call for the resignation of the Tónaisilí of Varaikar. It was on Sunday night they put out this on social media and then about 24 hours later on Twitter and a message came from the Kilkenny branch of Young Fine Gael basically saying it has been collapsed and it's now uh, been done so by the central organisation Young Fine Gael. Uh, so while they called out their a leader there within Fine Gael, things have changed. Not sure if there's a, a problem there within Fine Gael or not but uh, certainly those in Kilkenny that spoke out anyhow from their branch of Young Fine Gael uh, have been told to shut up and uh, that local branch being disbanded And then to the London Times. And if you watch TV, uh, would you watch it with subtitles all the time? Um, Obviously, you will say people who maybe are hard of hearing or uh, just simply want to to watch a certain programme, maybe in a different language, that they will use subtitles. Well, it seems that those between 18 and 25, this is a survey by a company called Stage Text, they found that 80% of those people in that age group watch TV with subtitles. They are nearly four times more likely to watch a television programme with subtitles than those aged 56 to 75 who are more susceptible to hearing problems. And the survey of over 2,000 people in the research found that young people look at these shows with the captions because it helps them to understand what is happening on the screen. Seemingly, it's a part of the way that Generation Z or Generation Z, uh, defined as those born between 97 and 2012, consume content because during the lockdowns a lot of people had their eye on the phone and the other on the television and that is one of the reasons that in that age group they use subtitles more uh, than any other age group so interesting stat that is and the weather forecasts how many of you watched the weather on Irish television and you get very irate because you feel they're not telling the exact weather conditions for your region Oh, well, that's exactly what's happening because a lot of people have sent, uh, and this has come out today, it's in many of the papers, have sent emails and blasting a Met Aaron over what they say are absolutely rubbish weather forecasts. In one email to Met Aaron, uh, this person said, sack the staff and buy a few robots. Uh, the harsh emails were sent to the state agency and that one was sent on July the 27th. Uh, others that have come out uh, and emails that have been released, uh, one is from a person who says, what a load of 
nonsense. You shower of buffoons, you predicted for the East Coast. For years, you lot are getting away with nonsense talk. Sack the staff and buy a few robots. BBC weather for me. It's a beautiful late night. Snap all of the clowns, says one emailer uh, to Matt Aaron. Uh, and then uh, yeah, BBC weather can be very accurate. And I've noticed on the TV on BBC, they do include Cork and they do include Limerick and other Irish cities on their forecast, as do the likes of Channel 5 and ITV always did, in fairness. Um, and obviously they have regional newsrooms and regional weather forecasts where they don't. But on the main national forecast, they do include uh, cities such as Waterford, Limerick and Cork and ITV. But here in Ireland, our own Met service getting a hammering from the public. I'm not too sure how you feel about their coverage of weather and if they're accurate or not. Here's another example. Uh, this came in June to Met Aaron from a farmer in the Midlands who says, Hello, just have to voice my anger at yesterday's forecast. We were trying to make our hay in County Offaly, which was forecasted very warm and dry. We had no sun at all and it was cool. And then it lashed rain here. The forecasting is absolutely rubbish. All the farmers had to wrap the hay with plastic yesterday. What is wrong with the weather forecasts lately? Asked that farmer in the Midlands. So I'm not too sure if you've noticed that or if you feel the weather from Metairn is correct. There's on the Emails release, there's none from the Cork area. But that's not to say people are aggrieved in Cork too over the weather forecast. So your views are welcome on that. What you make of Metairn's weather forecasting on any of the Irish channels. And if you're a fan of reality TV, will you be tuning in on Sunday night to this? It didn't work. We'll try that again. Well, there's a, a new cast and a new celebs heading into the jungle. Well, they're not going to the jungle. They're going to Wales, to the castle this year. Uh, they, obviously, with everything going on with COVID, they can't fly to Australia. So I'm a celeb is heading to Wales again. And if you are a fan of the show, it's back. And it's featuring the likes of David Ginola, uh, the ex-footballer. Also in there, we have the music producer, Naughty Boy, Matty Lee, the British Olympic diver. He's going to feature Arlene Phillips, who's a theatre icon. I'm sure you'll be uh, familiar with her. I think she was involved also strictly over the last number of years and Danny Miller if you watch Imidel or Imidel Farm as it was once called but Imidel if you're a fan of that you'll know he plays the role of Aaron in uh, Imidel and also Richard Madeley is uh, going to be in the castle for I'm a Celeb Richard currently presenting Good Morning Britain in the UK but you'll be familiar with him uh, from the early days of this morning when he was presenting with his wife Judy Richard and Judy so he's going to be there as well uh, that's some of the lineup heading into the castle in Wales if if you were a fan of I'm a Celebrity. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. This is C103. Lines open 1850-333-103 for your comments. Bernie takes those. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And on the way, we're discussing reaction from the Cabinet Subcommittee last night on COVID-19 who met due to the ongoing pressures put on our health system over the virus and what measures are due to be taken. <laughs> Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And while I was mentioning the irate emails and calls met here and we're getting over their weather forecasting, Dermot says, as a farmer, I always watch the weather and I think they do an excellent job. They very seldom get it wrong, uh, says Dermot. So maybe it's just other parts of the country are unhappy with met here. And anyhow, from the weather to our health service and the HSC says the healthcare system is overheated and under serious pressure. 
where it comes. As the Cabinet Subcommittee on COVID-19 met last night to consider what action needs to be taken now to tackle the escalating COVID cases here in this country. And the latest on this uh, political correspondent with the Irish Sun, Adam Higgins, joins me. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning. Adam, some grim figures came out last night from this meeting and ministers were warning that we could, what we are now at the moment experiencing, the fourth wave could be very serious for all hospitals here in this country. It could, and the hospital system is already under a lot of pressure at the moment. So Neffet have been asked to do some new modelling situations on where the virus could go. Initially, it had been predicted that this fourth wave would peak in around November and then start to come down again before Christmas. Now it's looking like that this peak is going to continue on right up until December and at some point in December turn down with a very long tail then that will keep cases high right through until February. So, I mean, we're looking at 4,500 cases yesterday and that's going to continue to rise until December. And along with those high case numbers comes increased hospital admissions and, of course, increased ICU. Some of the, the worst-case scenarios that were predicted last night by Neffet were that ICUs could could see... Uh, an increase to four or 500 patients, which obviously would be too much for the, the hospital system. And then the best case scenario was that all elective procedures, so non-essential treatment, would have to be cancelled in the run-up to Christmas and that hospitals would focus on COVID care and essential care only. And the reason they're looking at the restrictions by way of extending digital certificates and other measures is because, as you mentioned there, the pressure on ICU beds. Is there any talk of increasing ICU capacity? I know they did over the last year, but is there further investment on the way for hospitals with regards to ICU? Yes, there's two parts to that. So hospital consultants met earlier this week to, to discuss how much surge capacity they would need in the coming weeks and how they could where they could get that surge capacity where in the country which hospitals have room to start changing normal beds into ICU beds. The problem is with staff really. It's not to do with the beds themselves because as you might have heard some of the, the hospital consultants say during the week, ICU intensive care is a team sport. It takes a lot of people around one patient full time to, to keep that care going at the level that's needed. The HSE yesterday published their uh, winter plan, which I think is going to be something that's talked a lot about today and over the coming week. It's the 77 million plan. There's, there's capacity there to increase 100 um, critical beds. But I whether that will be enough when you see some of the predictions that NEF have come through, I think opposition parties will really get into the meat of that now over the coming week about whether this winter plan is going to be enough. And then from what well, hopefully won't be as bad as what you said there figure-wise, but if it is, that, that is why they're looking at extending these certificates. And they have mentioned the likelihood of this going to gyms and hairdressers. Is that still under the, for discussion or do you think that would actually come into place today? That's something that's up for discussion is what I'm told. They, they, they still... It won't, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. If it does happen, there's still decisions to be made on that by the full cabinet. But it was discussed last night and agreed that further discussions would happen today with the full cabinet, with all stakeholders. So I think what you're going to see is some sort of conversations with the industries involved over the coming weeks about whether they think this could work for them and the benefit, benefit of it. And perhaps some uh, discussions with the hospitality sector about how they, the success that they've had with it and that sort of thing. But one key thing to remind your listeners of is that the HSA and the HSE are in charge of policing this and there's only so many uh, staff in charge to do these checks to make sure people are, are you know, using these passes correctly. And we've seen that the 
hospitality sector has been criticised because there hasn't been as many checks as people would like to see over the since it came into the hospitality sector. So whether they're going to beef up the HSA to have more people checking these passes or not, or whether it's just going to be a self-police thing, is something that's going to be up for discussion today between the ministers. And then from the digital certs, they're talking about more boosters and increasing the rate of boosters and bringing in the army even. I mean, that was something that came out from the meeting last night in Simon Coveney. Uh, Minister Coveney confirmed that he would get the Defence Forces involved in this. Yeah, I think one of the big um, arrows in the government's quiver here is this booster uh, vaccine campaign. Neffet said last night and gave the government incredibly strong evidence that the booster campaign is already starting to work at fighting back the fourth wave in the older cohort. So the over-80s age cohort is already largely finished the booster campaign and the virus is starting to come down there. So the government are really keen to get this rolled out as quickly as possible. So NIAC have given the green light for the government to, to roll out this booster campaign to all people over the age of 50. So that new 50 to 59 group is about 600,000 people. So there's a lot of people there now. So that brings it from 1.4 people who were applicable for this booster campaign right past the 2 million mark. So there's big work to be done there. And of course, Minister Coveney was willing to say, look, the the Defence Forces are there if needed. We've seen the brilliant work that they did with the initial vaccine campaign and particularly around the logistics of organising it. And it's likely that we'll see the Defence Forces brought back in if they're needed by the HSE. And you're writing today that in the Irish Sun, as we mentioned, boosters there, antigen testing is something a lot of people have been doing themselves over the last number of weeks. And the big factor we're hearing from people who are doing antigen tests is the cost of them. And you say that, you understand anyhow, that they're hopefully going to reveal some announcements that that they can provide pharmacies with these tests that can be sold at knockdown prices. Yes, this is a plan that's been in the works for the past week or so. We revealed on Saturday that talks have already been held with some pharmacy groups about how they can do this. So now those tests at the moment, your listeners will know from being in the shops and in the pharmacies, they can come to around €8 Euro per one test. What we understand is that the government is going to try to subsidise these tests, provide pharmacies with cheaper tests that they can sell at a lower rate. Now, that price hasn't really been finalised yet, but I think we're looking at something around definitely less than €5 Euro per test, or possibly a, a bundle of five tests for €10. Euro. That sort of space is what we're looking at. And this is all to do with the government's plan of you know, pushing a personal responsibility model over the Christmas. So if you go to, say, for example, the rugby match at the weekend, um, you the next day you want to take, or the day after, you should be taking a couple of antigen tests that week to check whether you've got the virus and monitor yourself and, and then obviously get a real PCR test and, and isolate if you are positive. And finally, while some countries are going into partial lockdowns across Europe and in Austria, we have seen that they are going into a full lockdown for those who were unvaccinated. No talk of any of that here. No, that's the good news that came out of the, the Cabinet Subcommittee last night. Despite these grim figures that were, were bandied about, those cases haven't yet happened and we can still bring this back through this personal responsibility model. And Neffet did not recommend any new restrictions, no return to lockdown or anything like that. So that's not really something that's on the cards today. One last thing that I think you will see the government talk about today is a return to that work from home call. So it won't be mandatory. It's not something that's going to be enforced, but the government will be strongly encouraging workers to work from home where possible. And they'll be asking employers to give their 
workers that leniency to allow them work from home right throughout the winter where possible. So we could see those who are just coming back into the office going back home again uh, instead of uh, their commute. Some will welcome that, some won't but you can understand why they're giving that advice. Uh, very finally, just a few comments in on what you mentioned there. First of all, uh, regarding the boosters, is, that, is there any, because there seems to be some regional diversity regarding the booster shots and where people are getting them. Some areas are getting them faster than others. Are they going to step it up in all areas? Have they mentioned that where there seems to be a lack of staff for testing and indeed the shots. Uh, he, we're hearing that here in Cork and Health of various regions. Was that mentioned last night or anything? 100% and that's the concern of where Minister Coveney was coming in with this comment mm-hmm. about the defence forces. So the, the vaccine campaign had been kind of paired back a little bit after the, we hit all these massive numbers that we did over the past couple of months. So it's the, the government are looking now to ramp that vaccine campaign back up again in order to get that booster campaign really going again. So I think you will see a lot of maybe the, the places, the vaccine centres and injection centres that uh, kind of scale down a bit. I think you'll see them scale back up again over the coming weeks and it'll all happen very quickly. And are we going to expect an announcement today following an old cabinet meeting at the moment? Are we going to hear something today by way of an announcement or is on Taoiseach Michal Martin going to do one of those state of the address type announcements later? The, the communication plan, as far as I'm aware, hasn't been done. They wanted to get the decisions made through cabinet first and then they will decide how to communicate it to people. But I think you're likely to see another one of those addresses to the nation from the Taoiseach at six o'clock because some of the numbers last night were so grim and, and people will have been, you know, kind of shocked by that. I think the Taoiseach will want to address the nation directly. And we could see that uh, just after six tonight, you reckon, is it? I'd imagine it would be after six o'clock. In the past, the Taoiseach has also, you know, moved, instead of doing the six o'clock, he's done, say, an interview on the one o'clock news and that sort of thing. So that's a tactic that could happen. But personally, I think we're probably looking at a six o'clock. OK, we'll wait in here and see what happens over the course of the morning. For the moment, Adam, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks very much. Uh, that is the political correspondent with the Irish Sun, Adam Higgins. Your views are always welcome. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We mentioned there about the boosters. Anna uh, is in North Cork. She says, I'm in my lower 60s. And can you ask people in the North Cork area who are in their 60s, are they getting called for the booster? I presume, Anna, you haven't been called as yet. Uh, we had calls from the Formoy, Kilworth, uh, Castleton Roach areas last week. Uh, people 65 plus to I suppose 65 to 70 they were being called and they all went to City Hall uh, for their booster so maybe they, they're working through that age group first but if you are in your lower 60s uh, in the North Cork area have you received your booster Anna would like to know and a few various uh, different opinions on what is happening regarding the extension of the digital certificate for Covid uh, Julie says I agree with this I know it won't be ideal for all gyms and hairdressers to be checking for the Covid cert but I do think it is necessary at the moment to keep the numbers at bay while another person here says no name on this text but they say uh, they feel the COVID pass is the greatest threat to our democracy that we ever have faced it's destroying our rights they are on about control more than health that this texture feels it's discrimination it discriminates it segregates and it isolates a whole section of the society for no logical or scientific reason anyone who promotes or encourages discrimination or segregation of any type should be ashamed of themselves says the texture uh, their view on the COVID cert and I suppose 
on the, the back of that. The science will say that they need to ensure uh, those who are vaccinated going into those locations because even though you can pass it on, there's a, a less of a capacity to pass it on if you are vaccinated. But nonetheless, you, you can still uh, pass on the virus if you are vaccinated, but in a lower rate than those who are unvaccinated, if that makes sense. And John says, we have become very careless at mask wearing. Also, social distancing. John feels this could be the reason for the high numbers. Look at Facebook and I came across various football teams and also the boys and our own national soccer team. Uh, their photo with a cup and then indeed other people, you know, all wrapped around each other, sweaty arms and everything. People jumping top of each other's shoulders. It's a no wonder COVID has gone so widespread. We have learned nothing from March 2020, John feels. And John also feels that sport should be put on hold until next summer, as well as the nightclubs and the pubs. Some of your calls and comments on that. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Earlier, closing times for pubs and restaurants are being discussed now by ministers this morning as they are worried about the rising numbers of COVID cases in this country. It's less than a month since the hospitality industry, of course, uh, the closing hours were dropped, wasn't it, just before the jazz weekend. Uh, but now it seems that you, they could be uh, considering reimposing those early closing times for pubs and restaurants. So, not sure what that means then uh, for the likes of nightclubs. Uh, on that, then a lot of calls and comments. And first of all, Anna was on earlier from the North Cork area and wanted to know. If anybody in the lower 60 age bracket had been called for a booster uh, vaccine, well, on that, a number of people in saying no, they have not. Uh, This person is in North Cork. Uh, They feel that a lot of people will probably be called in December, as then it will be five months or for some six months. So it could be December for you, Anna, but nobody as yet has come back to us saying that they have uh, received that booster jab for the lower age bracket of 60 year olds in the North Cork area. And John says, while I mentioned about Matt Aaron and people complaining, on the way they tell the weather Uh, John says we have no problem with telling the weather forecast but I promise you one thing lockdowns after Christmas says John make no mistake well again that has come out saying no there's no talks of lockdowns in this country Um, uh, now or after Christmas is something they don't want to go back to and even Neffet have said they don't want to impose any further lockdowns here in Ireland while John and Carrigaline says it's this time last year the government led us over a cliff they had uh, well John says that they have blood on their hands over decisions they made for not imposing restrictions sooner rather than later and now it's time says John to start locking down again make no mistake uh, time to shut down the pubs and the nightclubs the demon drink is taking over fields John in Carrig Line while John in Roscommon says our government and health ministers are to blame for the rises in cases they opened up the football stadiums too early and no social distancing in the nightclubs thousands going through the doors no social distancing while queuing up either and to many unvaccinated people then getting into clubs uh, they have been getting in and John says I've witnessed this on several occasions it's money before health and I feel sorry for those frontline workers in our hospitals says John in Roscommon uh, another texter here says I feel it would be no harm to introduce Covid pass checks in gyms and hairdressers but more importantly right now checks need to be introduced for healthcare workers as they are moving between the most vulnerable in society whether it's home helps nurses doctors how many clients do they see in a day? And as it seems, the fact the employers aren't allowed to ask for the COVID certs is it being taken advantage of, says that texter. 
and hi to Mika in Bantir whom we were discussing about the digital search earlier and I suppose they are there basically to keep the restaurants, the bars and the nighttime industry open and other industries open. That's why they are basically were introduced to, you know, bring back uh, the certain industries where people would be mingling. Uh, we were just saying about the viral load earlier on and, you know, passing on COVID. And Mick and Bantier says you're wrong when you say a vaccinated person can pass less of a viral load than somebody who is unvaccinated and yeah Mick no you are right and, and you can pass it on like if you're vaccinated you can still pass it on uh, so you're right in what you're saying there Mick what we are talking about to go really in depth into this is a study that came from the Imperial College in London who tracked transmission and viral loads in vaccinated and unvaccinated people by recruiting positive cases this was within the UK and it was something that the journal.ie had done a fact check on and I know a number of health correspondents from UK TV stations have also reported this and basically what it says and I'll just read it as it is here uh, they say that among other things and you're not wrong making what you're saying obviously you can you can we can all transmit it Um, but basically this study when you go in depth into it they found that fully vaccinated people who had tested positive for COVID-19 had a peak viral load similar to unvaccinated people and could transmit the infection in household settings, including to fully vaccinated close contacts. At the same time, I'd also found that when it came to secondary transmission, so this is to someone else in the household getting COVID-19, the attack rate, that is the likelihood of people to get infected when someone else in the house is exposed to a positive case from a person who is vaccinated, that case was 25%. It's just slightly lower than the attack rate if you're in a household and a person who was unvaccinated is testing positive for COVID-19. They then have an exposure rate of 38%. Uh, so it's slightly higher. Um, so not much of a difference. Well, there's a bit of a difference there, but not a whole lot of difference. So uh, on one hand, vaccinated people have similar viral loads to unvaccinated people, meaning they have the similar ability to infect. But the study showed people living in the same house as a positive but vaccinated case had a reduced risk of catching the virus than those living with someone positive and unvaccinated. Now, these things sound conflicting, but both are true. And that's one of the reasons about the use of the uh, COVID certificates in bars and stuff. So you're not wrong making what you're saying, but if you really go into the detail, um, there's a, a minor uh, change in that when it comes to percentages. But you're, you're not overly wrong what you're saying either, Mick. But that's one of the reasons people uh, worry about the COVID certs. And of course, you know, the, the main reason here is regardless what... Uh, uh, people think of, of anything at all. It's Again, it's your choice if you want to get vaccinated or not, but you don't know what someone has an underlying condition in. So while some people, you know, are saying this, that and the other thing, just bear in mind, there are people out there who seem healthy to you, who seem perfectly fine. They might have a condition they've never told you about. They might have gone through a very serious illness over the last 10 and 20 years. And maybe that's why uh, they are worried about going into certain places. Maybe that's why they are worried about those then who were unvaccinated when they when they see those percentages. And even though, Mick, I know what you're saying, and, and they, they are, they're not massive percentages at the same time, but still they do show uh, the 25% to 38% that if you're someone who was seriously ill, 
you will be worried about your own situation and how you could react differently than someone who may get uh, the virus and, and not be that sick at all. So I think we just have to bear that in mind when we're thinking about other people. And a lot of this is, is basically thinking about others in society rather than thinking about yourself. Uh, and I know it's very frustrating for people at the moment, really frustrating the fact that you know people have done everything that they've been asked to do and we're still in this situation. So I can totally see the frustration by people out there. Um, and a lot of people feel frustrated the way things have been handled at the moment. But uh, I suppose we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, teacher Michal Martin says things will get worse before they get better. So hopefully they will get better. Uh, on text as well, a person here, no name on this, but they say pubs and music venues should have proper ventilation systems in place. If pubs are packed and they have live music and there's no masks and no one asking for certs, then everybody then is standing around the bar. It's places like this should be spot checked if that is going on. And we mentioned there regarding ICU and I was asking if there's any investment within ICU. There is investment coming, uh, but a lot of it is due to staffing issues. And Mary Mallow says there are way too many advisors and subcommittees and committees dealing with what is happening in this country. They're all talking about COVID, but they should use that money to pay the nurses and they would not be all leaving Ireland to go abroad or go to Australia. And yeah, Mary, you're, you're right there what you're saying. The amount of people working in hospitals and within our our public health uh, system that are leaving because of the strain and the strain was there long before COVID ever arrived. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, if if they did look after some uh, parts of our hospital network with regards to staff, would we have the nurses then and the staff to work within the ICUs as many staff are leaving the ICUs just due to the pressure they face on a daily basis? On Money Lenders, we spoke about with uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn and how they basically are targeting the vulnerable in society who need to pay for items for Christmas, seizing social welfare cards, threatening them outside post offices to get money they owe uh, those money lenders. Mavis says if the post office advertises a particular time and day for collecting pensions and benefits, it is open for people being targeted for theft. They ought to be more secure the way they advertise these and there should be a more secure system, says Mavis. While John says money lenders are outside the post office in his town in North Cork three days per week. They take social welfare cards and children's allowance books from people, says John. And more coming in regarding that situation on the uh, money lenders and people, a lot of people upset to think that this is still happening in this country and it is. But Colm and Buttevin says he worked for many years with the council and came across money lenders many years ago. Some of them are actually licensed, but they still charge huge interest rates. And the ones we spoke about this morning, by the way, are unlicensed um, money lenders involved in uh, criminal activity, some of them. But the column here is making the point there are licensed ones out there, but they charge huge interest rates, says Column. Mavs was set up to help people who can't cope, and low interest rates are always available at the credit union, uh, says Column. While Mike Inskibarine says he and his wife have been called for the booster, they are both in their early 60s, and he says that they, at this stage, they need to look or maybe close the nightclubs uh, with everything going on. But uh, it seems Anyhow, Mike Skibberine in his early 60s has been called for the jab. So it's probably on the way to those in the early 60s in the North Cork area. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. 
And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include a childcare assistant wanted to join the crash team in Cora. You can email your CV to bbcora at gmail.com and marker for the attention of Christine. The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow requires a chef to party and also a pizza chef. Email your CV to exechef at hibernianhotel.com. And Clonakilty Credit Union, they have a vacancy for a clerical officer and teller. Email Anthony at Clonakilty creditunion.ie These jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 and from yesterday, visitors to nursing homes will have to show proof of vaccination or immunity against COVID to see loved ones. The new guidelines do not include essential service providers, including healthcare staff and people working in the legal, financial and advocacy sectors. These people, though, who have family members in nursing homes think vaccine certs are a good idea. Let's politicise it less and let's just go with the science, please, because it's a practical measure. So uh, don't just do it for yourself, do it for other people. I think it's a little overdue, if anything. I'd like to see it go a step further, though, and make it mandatory for all healthcare workers to have the double jab unless they're medically exempt. Well, those people spoke to us on our newsroom yesterday afternoon via Zoom and they have family members within nursing homes. That's their thoughts on it. Tyg Daly from Nursing Home Ireland joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Tyg. Morning, John Paul. I mean, this is something you mentioned before, so I presume at this stage you welcome this. And this is for regular visitors. I mean, if they come in every single day, they'll only be checked once, I presume. Yeah, look, it is a very, very welcome addition to the ongoing guidance, and we, we very much welcome it. The HBS published it last week, as you know, and uh, it, it's live now from, from yesterday. So it, it's a very pragmatic measure. And it's one that hopefully will be embraced by uh, by everybody and as evidenced by your callers to your, your line yesterday evening. So, yeah, in essence, you know, visiting, as, as we've said before, is a huge part of nursing home care. But it's about balancing the risk of COVID with the right to see family and meaningful engagement with, with, with visitors. So uh, what you will find over the next while is that you know, very often it's regular visitors to nursing homes. So you're you're correct. We don't expect that one would have to show the passport every visit. You know, if they're coming as regular visitors, the nursing home staff would know them obviously. And and once it's documented on the on the first visit, then that should suffice in most cases. And for someone then who does not hold a COVID search, I mean, will there be exceptions if, for example, someone is very, very ill within the nursing home and they wish to see their mother or father or aunt or whoever is in the home? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Each visit is is risk assessed in that case. Um, So, yeah, there will be uh, exceptions. And again, nursing homes and families need to be, I suppose, pragmatic and communicate with each other. So in that case, it may be a case that a person might have to uh, maybe come in PPE, for example. Uh, you know, they may take an antigen test b- before they arrive and show evidence of that. So each situation will be different uh, depending on the situation and also depending on if there's an outbreak. Clearly, if there's an outbreak in the nursing home, you know, that poses significant challenges. Because what we're all trying to do here is ensure the safety and welfare of both residents and staff. And, um, you know, while the vaccine is hugely, hugely effective against uh, ill health and and and, uh, and serious illness. 
Um, it doesn't, unfortunately, impact on, on transmission. You know, one can still transmit the virus. So that, that's why it is important you know, not to see any one measure in isolation. All of the measures, uh, as, a, as a kind of a suite of measures, if you like, are, are critically important. And just someone on WhatsApp here is asking if you have a children aged between 10 and 11, can they continue to visit their grandparents? They can, absolutely, yeah. I mean, again, what we'd be saying is that for, for family members is to make contact with the nursing home. You know, maybe it, it might be a time maybe when there's less visits coming, for example. Uh, you know, clearly what we don't want is, is large numbers coming through at any one time. So that's why it's important that there's very strong communication between the nursing home and the family and, and that, you know, as I said, that there's a pragmatic approach taken towards um, towards visits because clearly the under-12s at this point in time are not are not vaccinated. So uh, children as appropriate, uh, with appropriate measures, with appropriate risk assessment, etc., would, would still be welcome. Now, obviously, anybody with symptoms is being asked to stay away from nursing homes before COVID ever, ever came. If you had symptoms anyway, if you had a flu, you would be advised to stay away from a hospital or a nursing home. So that wouldn't be anything new. But why does someone who works in the healthcare system, be that legal or financial, why do they not have to show a cert? Uh, well, we're still asking them to be vaccinated if at all possible, but it may be a case that someone is coming maybe to, to, to with, uh, for example, uh, or it may be a case that someone is, is looking for an advocate uh, to assist them you know, in a particular situation. And I suppose what is felt from the HPSC is that, you know, th- those would be one-off cases uh, and it would be to deal with a particular set of circumstances. Um, so therefore, they're what's termed, um, essential service uh, service providers, and you know it, it shouldn't be, you know, access to those shouldn't be denied uh, only in you know the most exceptional circumstances. And do you think now with this in place that all nursing homes are going to comply? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've been vigilant all the way through in 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 health generally, but also in nursing homes, um, and all of the measures that are in place in terms of temperature checks, in terms of antigen, in some cases. Uh, so this is just, as I said earlier, uh, I suppose a further measure to to add on to the existing measures. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, there's a responsibility on all of us here, um, visitors and and staff, uh, to make sure that this works efficiently and effectively. Uh, you know, given the high numbers in the community, we know that in the early phases of the pandemic, uh, particularly in January of this year, when there was. Uh, high incidence in the community. It had a huge, huge impact on nursing homes again. And when you see the numbers over the last week, 10 days, you know, four and 5,000 cases a day, then clearly we need to uh, enhance, you know, continue to enhance measures and, and the, the decision by NEFIT and the HPSC to introduce this guidance is very, very welcome. And there's no talk of closing nursing homes like would have, would have happened in the first few months of the lockdowns in 2020. No, no talk to that at the moment anyway. No, not, no. Not, not at the moment. And hopefully that won't be the case. Never happen, yeah. You know, I mean, we've seen the, the booster vaccine now. All of the residents have received their booster. Uh, there's a, currently a programme of booster vaccination for healthcare workers. That's ongoing. So, you know... We can be assured, I suppose, that the that the, the booster and the winning immunity now will be addressed through the booster, and and that will give further protection into the winter. But look, nobody can say with any certainty. I suppose there is a, a nervousness across society generally now at this point in time with the high numbers. We're waiting for decisions of government today in terms of any other measures, and obviously we're we're watching all of that very very carefully. I mean, it may be in some parts of the country, John Paul, whereby like Waterford recently, for example, there was a very very high incidence. You know, it may be a case there for a short period 
uh, that it may be considered appropriate, um, you know, to restrict visitors again. But, you know, at the moment, what we're looking at is keeping visiting open insofar as possible with all of those measures and the addition now of the uh, vaccine passport is, is a further uh, element in that in, in that suite of measures. And Michael is the mallow. His fear is, he says, staff members who are within nursing homes, if they are not vaccinated, what is the difference then between them and visitors? Yeah, I suppose and that is a fair question. I mean, we've asked the question a number of occasions, for example, about mandatory vaccination. Uh, I mean, it's something that has been introduced in other countries. I suppose the, the, the situation at this point in time is that it's a very, very small number, thankfully. Um, clearly, we'd love to be in a position whereby right across the health service, both in hospitals and indeed nursing homes, that 100% of staff have taken the vaccine. Uh, from our figures, we know that it's up in the high 90s, and in, in, case, in some cases it is 100%. Um, but I suppose from, from a staff point of view... Um, and, and from a visitor point of view, PPE, for example. So if someone wishes to come and visit in a nursing home and isn't vaccinated, then it's risk assessed. Similarly, with a staff member, it's risk assessed um, and a person may be taken off the front line, for example, um, you know, may, may not be engaging in, you know, I suppose, patient, direct patient, direct patient or direct resident care. So each situation is dealt with, dealt with you know, I suppose, on its merits and based on the set of circumstances at each individual case. And then what happens, for example, if you have a case where someone wants to visit their mother in a nursing home mm-hmm. and the mother is in perfect health, she's not ill or anything, but that person doesn't have a... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. COVID search and they demand to enter the home. I mean, is that putting extra pressure then on the staff within the nursing home? 
Yeah, it, it is putting huge, huge pressure, and that's why I suppose I said earlier on that we need to be pragmatic and, and sensible in how we in how we approach this. Um, I mean, clearly, these measures are put in place to safeguard everybody, to safeguard the residents, and to safeguard the staff. And while someone might say, "Look, I, you know, I wish to visit. I don't have COVID. Um, I'm not taking a vaccine." They also need to consider that there's other residents in the home that may be impacted by that decision. Um, so in, in each case, as I say, it will be dealt with differently. But in that case, it, it may be a situation whereby a person would be required to uh, produce evidence of, of um, an antigen test, for example, and potentially wear PPE uh, throughout the visit and maybe come at a time when they wouldn't be large numbers um, of other visitors visiting the home. Okay, but it could be problematic. To some in some nursing homes, you reckon for well, staff who I suppose aren't there to deal with something like that. Yeah, it is. But that's why for people look. You know, we need to be conscious that what we've been through over the last eighteen months has been mm. almost two years now has been particularly challenging. You know, my concern as we head into the winter is that staff are exhausted. They really, really are exhausted. You know, they're on their knees and right across the health service. So what I'd be saying to people is, look, work with us. Work with the nursing home. Work with the staff and be assured that staff and the HPSC and ourselves in nursing homes and others only have the best interest of the residents and their, their ongoing safety and welfare uh, at the top of our agenda. OK, well for the moment, Tyg, we'll leave it there. And thanks for joining us this morning on that issue. That is Tyg Daly there from Nursing Homes Ireland. Uh, Mick and Bantier has been on again. Uh, Mick, we, uh, regarding the viral loads, Mick, we did explain that there about 20 minutes ago. Maybe you missed our explanation of that. You're not wrong on what you're saying. And I did go into detail on what we said. So I don't know if you missed it, Mick, because you texted in the same comment about three or four times. So uh, maybe you have missed that, uh, what we said. But if you did, you can check it out at c103.ie. And a lot of people are reacting to what could be happening with the bars and restaurants on closing times and while this hasn't been confirmed as yet at the moment cabinet ministers are also by the way considering making those covered certs mandatory for cinemas and theatres they haven't been checking those up to now Uh, but by way of closing hours in hospitality they could be closing earlier and on that a texter here is saying I do not go to the pubs however I don't understand why they might have to close early Uh, can't you catch COVID regardless of the time seriously leave the pubs alone, uh, says that texter to 086 2103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And thanks to Kieran on WhatsApp who says, Can you let drivers know in the Blackpool, McCurtain Street, Merchants Quay, and possibly other areas in the city centre, there seems to be a major outage of traffic lights? So uh, traffic lights not working in those areas, and those areas can be very busy at the various junctions there. So take note if you are travelling in those areas of the north side and indeed the city centre this morning and thanks to Kieran on WhatsApp for that information. Now, Alicia Carroll's one-woman show Live, Love, Laugh is arriving to Ballymaloo Grain Store and that's happening on Saturday the 4th of December at 8pm. And Alicia, who plays Winnie McGugan in the hit sitcom Mrs Brown's Boys joins me this morning. A very good morning to you, Alicia. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm fine and you're keeping well. I am. I'm keeping very well. I'm a bit tired, but, you know, <laughs> that's only to be expected. 
Well, it's been a tough year or two years at this stage for the arts industry. I mean, the arts and theatre and live performances was hit most with everything going on. So it's glad to hear you're tired from being busy. I suppose, first of all, before we talk about your own show, it's been an amazing few months because you were live with Mrs. Brown's Boys on Halloween. And that was a, a big event because a lot of production work went into this. I mean, we saw you on the Late Late Show uh, following the live uh, show and everybody seemed to be... Uh, nervous beforehand which you know it's it's refreshing to hear that you all get nervous before a show like this was it great to be have an audience with you again for those shows oh absolutely because last year unfortunately because of the lockdown when we were doing the Christmas specials recording the Christmas specials um, we weren't allowed an audience so and that was really strange because we feed off a live audience so to have them back in this year was just a bonus particularly when you're doing a live production um, and yes, we do get nervous, and particularly when you know it's live. It, it's like, you know, they're not recording this now. They're not going to have a chance to edit your mistakes. So they're nervous because they're not going to get a chance either. The crew are not going to get a chance to take another shot. Um, you know, if the boom comes in too often, they can do nothing about it. If the camera shot's not right. So we, we kind of collectively, the nerves just kind of ran through everybody. And also your lines, if you if you mess your lines, there's no going back to take two. There is absolutely <laughs> none, none. And of course, you know, it's the adrenaline that, that pumps. But that, I think, makes for a better show, to be honest with you, when the adrenaline is firing up like that. Totally. Um, it was... It was great fun to do. Really terrific fun to do. And are you working so, now on a new Christmas show for Mrs. Brown's no, Boys this, this yeah, year? Yeah, we, we, we did that uh, prior to the um, live broadcast. So we, we recorded the Christmas special and the New Year's Eve special. So that was done and dusted. And then we stayed on another two weeks to to prepare for the live broadcast. So, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a busy month. Let me, well, busy five weeks, but it was lovely to be back working, I have to say. Really lovely. Yeah, and you travel to Scotland, don't you? That's where the production unit yes, is for it, that. it's recorded in the BBC studios in Glasgow. And we've been going to Glasgow for nearly, oh, has to be since Mrs. Brown's Boys first came out. We used to play in the Pavilion Theatre in Glasgow. So Glasgow was very good to us. And I think when, when the BBC decided they were actually going to run with the series, Brendan was offered... You know, do you want to do it in Manchester? Do you want to do it in London? Shall we do it in Belfast and or Glasgow? And he said, there's there's no contest. I've got to give this back to the Glaswegians. They have been so good to us. So that's why we, we're, we're in Glasgow and that's why we stay in Glasgow. Oh, fantastic. Well, it's great to give back uh, from what they give you, I suppose, over the years. And you mentioned there yes. it was great to be back as well, live um, and performing. Were you out of, Obviously, you were out of work a lot from the theatre, but outside of the special last year for Mrs. Brown's Boys, was it a very quiet year? There was basically nothing well, happening. It was, no, I managed to get, I got a, a, a gig uh, on um, Madame Blank Mysteries, which is going out on Channel 5 at the moment. And it meant I had to go to Malta for a few days. Lovely, and very nice. It was just fabulous. Unfortunately, the lockdown, well, like this was last May, and they were really strict over there, and you couldn't drink in the bar, in the hotel, you couldn't swim in the pool. There was lots of things you couldn't do, but I tell you, the sunshine was just absolutely gorgeous. And it was great to be, as I say, working, and it was great to meet new people, and it was great to do something to get me rollers out, and I didn't have to, you know what I mean? And it was great not to co- come across so dim. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> because is that referring to to poor Winnie, who sometimes and that's poor Winnie, who yeah. is really, really like is put down and put down and put down. And uh, even though I think Winnie is cute behind it all. Oh, listen, you and I agree the same way. I think Winnie hides quite a lot, uh, you know, um, and I think she's she's cute out, as they say, right? <laughs> She is. And just the series you spoke about there, Madame Blanc's Mysteries, interesting because I was flicking through Channel 5 over the last few, or the the TV shows over the last uh, few few weeks, and I was going from ITV to Channel 5 on on the Freeview box and came across it and just stuck with it for about two minutes, and you popped up. And I was like, is that a leash in this series? What's she doing there? What's she doing there? And you played the role of Neve, and you were, were, was it someone's mother in in the series? Yes, I played the role of of, um, the. My son supposedly, well, he does work in, in, he runs a pub in the south of France with his wife and a mother arrived, you know, to surprise him. And she's not the nicest mother-in-law, I have to say. <laughs> and it was lovely to play that kind of role, you know. Yeah. I mean, she adores her son, typical Irish mother. She has one son and she absolutely adores him. And nobody's going to be good enough for him. And certainly this girl is not good enough for him. So, um, And she makes that very plain just with her smart remarks. And how did you end up in this role? How did it come about? Well, a friend of mine who wrote it, co-wrote it with Sally Lindsay. So Sue Vincent and Sally Lindsay wrote wrote the series, and she contacted me. And she'd I'd worked with her just one year on a Christmas special she was in, and um, and she was she she had a part in the Christmas specials. And we got talking, and she said to me, you know, what would you, what kind of a role would you like to play? And I said, oh, I'd love to play a bitch. I'd love to play a really nasty piece of work. And then she rang me. I probably in January and said listen I have news for you she said I've we've written the fifth episode and that's when the mother-in-law comes in and she said uh, and guess what we've written it with you in mind because <laughs> she is a first class not very nice person <laughs> so I said thank you very much for that that will be a joy and that's really how it happened Oh, well, that's great. Well, if people want to catch up on that review, but it is on Channel 5 at the moment, and no doubt, uh, because it's, it is successful for them, it will end up, I'm sure, here either on RTE or indeed on Virgin yes. Media Television. And no doubt, we do see a lot of the UK, UK shows that you know don't get uh, to see here will be shown here, hopefully, on Irish TV. That's right. uh, yeah. But outside of all of that, anyhow, let's go back to the main reason you're on with us this morning. This is your one-woman show, which you have been travelling across the country, and you will continue to do so. You were in Nace recently and they got great reviews there from Nace. Uh, so you're bringing this to the Ballymaloo Grain Store. I am. I'm so looking forward to it because I don't know whether you're aware but I lived in West Cork for over you did? In Castle years. Townsend, isn't it? Yeah. Are you, are you still there or gone? No, I moved back to Dublin four oh. years ago and the reason I moved back was because obviously most of my work was coming from Dublin. I didn't really mm. want to come home. Well, I mean it is home but I didn't really want to come back to Dublin. And but I thought, you know, the journey is travelling up and down. Any extra work I got was always seemed to be based in Dublin. So I, I made the decision. Plus the fact where I was living was pretty isolated, and I was getting to an age where I thought, you know, something. Um, you really need to be near nearer facilities should you need them in time to come. So that's kind of why I made the decision. But you know, Cork. Uh, I always say that Cork is in my soul and and Dublin is in my heart and I don't know whether that should be the other way around but I always feel I have one foot in each county and 
I absolutely adore Cork and I love the people and I miss it terribly. So going back and having the opportunity to perform at my one 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 show in the Grain Store in Cork on the 4th of December is just so exciting. And just talk about this show because it's like a journey of your life, isn't it? It is. It's very much a journey of a woman's life. And I mean, you know, it could be any woman's life, to be honest with you. But it's a story of... Growing up in, 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 you know, my age, a good Catholic Ireland, and the impact that can have on you, on your life, right up until your adulthood. And um, it also talks about you know, failed marriages and um, coming out and, uh, and growing old. Uh, mm. and, and, and what goes with that going older interesting the way you mentioned there the Catholic Ireland and the impact the, the, the impact it had for many over generations growing up in the 50s yes. 60s and 70s and it still impacts them to this day and many people as you mentioned did not want to come out because of that very reason uh, from the Catholic Church but also uh, we're getting married just for the sake you reach an age you have to get married and have kids and That's we can see exactly now a lot it. of those marriages are, are falling apart. Not all. Uh, some are working out very well, but, yeah. but some have. Some have. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not until you get older that you start looking back on and you say, you know, actually, that really wasn't my belief. That's really not my way of thinking. Um, it's it's imposed upon you. You're so conditioned to it. and You're so fearful to 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 be anything other than the norm. Um, so, yeah, you do keep an awful lot to yourself. And it's not just about coming out, but you keep an awful lot to yourself about lots of things because it's not appropriate to talk about. And so in my show, I, it is very no holds barred. This is what we should be talking about. This is, uh, you know, I give names to the anatomy, proper names to the anatomy. I don't use, uh, you know, I don't make up names to describe a woman's part of her body because why should I? Mm. It's, it's with nothing to be ashamed of. So... You know, and but it is told in a very funny way, um, and I'm, I appear say that it is very inspiring, very funny, very honest, and and it's just real. It's real life. And they can expect that that wittiness uh, and the, the whole story of what it was like to grow up. Uh, and I think a lot of people will relate to that, no matter what oh. stage of life they're at, or indeed how their life has panned out. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I, I remember I, it was a few, well, at least eight years ago when I did my show and um, I had a school uh, principal come up to me and he said to me, Eilish, he said, you should take this show into schools, into young teenagers. He said, because you'd be surprised how many teenagers still are, have, have, are, have that kind of influence. And, um, you know, because he said it's very heartwarming, it's very open and which really surprised me, you know, because I actually do say, please don't let anybody under 16 come to the show. Mm. Not because it's just that there's a content there which I wouldn't like my 16 year old to be exposed to unless she'd had the conversation with her mom or her dad. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um, uh, so and it's not vulgar in any way but I just feel yeah it's appropriate that it's an adult show well it's a very appropriate title I think everybody's life should be live love and laugh and that is in Valley Maloo Grain Store and we'll give details shortly but when you're so used to being on stage with Mrs Brown's Boys and other events you've been involved with on theatre over the years what's it like going out on your own then? It's terrifying because you don't have anybody to fall back on so (laughs) You know, but what happens, what I learned, and, and it's a lovely, it's a lovely gift, really, that the, it's the audience you fall back on. So, you know, if you get it wrong or you make a mistake or you, you lose where you are, 
And you have to share that with the audience because audiences are very forgiving. And they're there, they're there because they want to be there. And they want, you, they want you to be okay. So once, and several times I've had to say, guys, I have absolutely no idea where I am. And, and they're just so forgiving. And uh, I mean, I find myself again, obviously, but but that's life, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. we, we we forget things, or you know, we, we, we're about to say something, and, and halfway through the sentence, you think, "What was I about to say?" But isn't that <laughs> so? You're human, like everybody else, as well. That you're not on the stage just being uh, an ultra professional, which you are, but you're also like someone in the audience. We all can make mistakes, and I think people and- like that too. They like when you know people fall over the lines. You're saying something and you forget. I think that shows that we're it's more natural, isn't? It's much more natural and it's more real. Mm, yeah, that is real. life, you know, because none of us are perfect. And I think if you strive for perfection, and particularly, you know, when you're on stage, and every actor will strive for perfection. But if if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, share it with them. Don't don't try and hide it because they can see everything and they will see your vulnerability. And I think that's a really good thing, you know. And I think. This, you know, in this show, I certainly show my vulnerability in the, in the way of, you know, in the story itself. Um, and I just think it gives people permission to actually share their own stories. Well, that's great. And I think you're right in keeping things real and natural. And it's something that people appreciate, too, when they go along to a show. Well, it's getting great reviews anyway, Alish. So the very best oh. of luck to you. And uh, great to uh, chat to you again here live, because as you know yourself, anything can happen when you're live. So let's, it's good to keep anything it natural. Happen, like, yes. Anything can happen. <laughs> so, Alish, we look so forward to you in, in, in uh, Ballymaloo Grain Store. I'll give details in a while. And we also look forward to uh, watching Winnie again uh, at Absolutely Christmas. Christmas Day. There Excellent. I look forward to seeing Winnie again on Christmas Day because I don't get to see it until Christmas oh, Day. Okay, well, <laughs> your first time seeing it? Yeah, it'll be oh. my first time to see it. Okay, you don't so get to watch any edits or previews, no? Nothing previous. Nothing, we don't even get a clip. Oh, it's God. like, no, you'll watch it when everybody else is watching it. <laughs> Never acting, but anyway, it's probably the best <laughs> Probably the best way. Eilish, thanks for joining us and have a, have a great um, run in Ballymaloo. I will do. Thank you very much indeed for the time and the opportunity. Cheers. You're more than welcome. Thanks, Alicia O'Carroll there. A lovely person joining us. She is in the Ballymaloo Grain Store. It's on Saturday the 4th of December. Tickets can be got now. You can get them online on Ballymaloo Grain Store. Dot com, or indeed, you can go by phone. You can phone them on 021 475 7200. That's 475 7200. And that's the Ballymaloo Grain Store in Shanagarry for Eilish O'Carroll's Live, Love, Laugh. Good afternoon to you, JP, and for Patricia. Until one, and Patricia returns tomorrow from 10 with Cork Today. Bernie taking your comments 1850 333 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And yesterday on the show, we were speaking with Brendan Sands, who publishes the Get Up and Go diaries, those diaries full of positivity and inspirational quotes. And every year, uh, Brendan joins us just to speak about the diaries and bring a bit of positivity, and we need that more than ever at the the moment but we have more to give away today on the show we have a genius journal that we spoke about yesterday we have a hardback version of that also the get up and go busy woman diary with a wall planner and the good health and well-being diary uh, all for 2022 of course if you would like to win one of those uh, just text your name and where you are now to text or whatsapp 086 103 103 
If you specifically uh, want uh, the health or the busy woman of the journal, just text that ahead of your name and address now. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we will uh, have winners before one o'clock this afternoon. And also, speaking of winners, listening to Cork's More Music Breakfast all this week with Ken Tobin, your chance to win with Magical Blarney because every morning Ken is giving you the chance to win a family pass for two adults and two children to see Santa with lunch included. Listen in weekday morning mornings from 6am for your chance to win this great day out for all the family at Magical Blarney, Cork's favourite Santa experience only here. Week mornings from 6 on C103. Now a lot of calls and comments in on various issues we've been discussing this morning and first of all on the extension of uh, COVID certs. Some people uh, feel that this could be a waste of time because a texter here is saying there's too much uh, forgery on with these passes unless they bring in the ID. Uh, I don't think this will work and that be the mandatory checking of ID and also a lot of people agreeing with an earlier texter and whatsapper on closing the pubs earlier Anna says what difference would this make if a pub is open and it closes earlier I don't see the difference maybe uh, people might get more drunk later in the night and regulations go out the window but then if they close earlier people will start drinking earlier we saw that happening before they changed the times and extended them beyond 11.30 says Anna James and also a similar comment from Geraldine on text to 0862103103 and this is all to do with the news coming out this morning that ministers who were in meeting at the moment, uh, they are discussing the proposal anyhow of closing the pubs and restaurants earlier. That would go back to I presume an 11.30 closure. Uh, they're only opens back to normal hours uh, for about a month I would imagine at this stage and also and they're going to be looking at further measures for them checking a digital COVID certs. But they are looking at earlier closing times for pubs and restaurants. And speaking of those certs, they're now also looking at mandatory cert checks in cinemas and theatres, which up to now haven't had to check them. So that is what is going on at the moment with those discussions. And thank you for your calls and texts with regards to that. We had issues earlier on. I presume we still are in various areas of the city centre. McCurtain Street, Blackpool and those areas where traffic lights are out of action. Uh, thanks to Margaret and Douglas who says traffic lights are also out of action at Tesco on the South Douglas Road Junction. Uh, so just for people to take uh, note of that, that's the Tesco and Douglas and the junction with the South Douglas Road. Uh, traffic lights also out there. Margaret, thank you for your text. And hi to Michael and Boherbui who was on to us earlier on WhatsApp and is asking, are other listeners having the same problem as we are? We hired a skip from Cork Mini Skips seven weeks ago. It was supposed to be collected the following week however it is now seven weeks later we contacted them several times and they said that we were on a queue to be collected but we haven't heard that the from them and when we contact them again and again uh, we keep being told that we were on a queue so the last several times I called this is all I get I find this disgraceful and I'm very frustrated as now it's an eyesore in our front yard says Michael in Boherbui well Bernie did contact Cork Miniskips within the last few minutes uh, the person she spoke with is passing this on to a manager now the person said that the skip should not be left any more than two weeks so they were unsure on why that happened and maybe the RBs in there is a queue but they are checking into this uh, for you Michael so we have made contact with them and hopefully they 
and be able to sort that for you because if you're finished with the skip and it's sitting there for seven weeks that is a very long time but our thanks to Cork Mini Skips who are looking into this and even themselves have admitted that it should be uh, not left there more than uh, two weeks so hopefully that will get sorted for you Michael in Boherbui and hi to Amanda who has been in touch on WhatsApp asking anybody know what's going to happen now with the old playground in Mallow uh, the site uh, a lot of rubbish she spotted on the site over the last week or so and I know Mallow has a new playground which is fantastic news but does that mean now that they are going to neglect the old playground well we did check in with Cork County Council on this and there are plans to redevelop the old playground uh, part of that playground it seems anyhow uh, as part of Cork County Council's overall plan is to transform some of that playground into a skate park so there'll be an element of an upgraded playground and then there'll be a skate park alongside the existing playground which will be changing a bit uh, to uh, facilitate the skate park so that is the overall plan for that location when that is going to go ahead uh, I don't have a time frame but they are looking and that is what they are going to be doing there uh, with the playground the old playground on the park road in Mallow and uh, I'm not too sure if we can help this person on text but this is a listener from Dunmanway and they're wondering does anybody know what kind of music the band The Subs play they are playing in a hotel on Saturday night and uh, this uh, gang from Dunmanway would love to go along and see them but they don't know what music they play so the band is called The Subs um, I locally I could not find the band called The Subs. There is a few uh, bands in the UK and Ireland and they play a lot of various music from pop uh, to rock. Uh, so maybe it's that band. And if it is, they, they play a mixture of, of uh, punk rock and indeed pop as well and some indie. So it could be that band. Uh, but then in case it's not The Subs you're talking about and it's a local band from Bandon who could be performing in that area. They're called The Shrugs. In case it's them you're speaking about, uh, they would perform a lot of folk and pop duo. Uh, so it could be them you're speaking about as well. It's either The Subs or The Shrugs, Shrugs even. So The Shrugs, local from Bandon, uh, folk and pop and the subs then if it's that band uh, they seem to be performing all over the place and a bit of everything I think rock, punk, indie and pop music so you can expect that anyhow and thank you for your text to 0862103103 and calls to Bernie on 185333103 now we've got a lot of calls over the last few weeks and indeed uh, texts and tweets and we are looking into this but I will raise it on the show this afternoon this is with regards to uh, the Leap Card and I'm sure any of you uh, that use the Leap Card realise you can make a saving on that and you can for city bus services you could save uh, is this anything from 60 cent to a euro depending on where you were going and the route you were taking and of course they're very handy you just tap it and off you go but there's been an issue for a long time at Mallow Railway Station where commuters to Kent Station and Cork simply can't use the Leap Card service everything is there everything is enabled you have the ticket machines you have the validators you have the automatic barriers everything is in place but still a number of commuters have been on to us to say that while everything is in place there's no movement with regarding using the leap card you simply can't use it and the fares remain the same and one texter has made an example that the fare uh, for a Middleton to Cork is roughly around 4 99 using the leap card whereas people who travel from Mallow to Cork are paying 11 99 for a single journey and they feel that is unfair that why should those in other parts of the county be able to get cheaper fares and use the leap card while people in Mallow cannot so uh, while everything is in place in Mallow uh, that is confirmed no one is getting the benefits of this we did check in with Irish Rail first of all 
And they told us, no, it's not them. It would be the National Transport Authority. So then we got on to the National Transport Authority and they told us that because of what we asked them, uh, well, obviously everything is in place. So the answer's in the question that it was on the news. Uh, but I don't know, they did not read the rest of our email or just read the first line uh, because while we did mention, yes, everything is in place, but still it's not enabled. So people can't use the leap card and avail of the lower fares, which every other area of Ireland is even or is able to avail of, but Mallow is not. And then we're waiting now for the National Transport Authority to come back to us. We, we basically went back to them saying we know everything is there, but no one can use the card. The system's are in place but not working and people are still being charged high fares and we went through the fares with them. So we're waiting now for the National Transport Authority to get back to us on that and interestingly enough um, Dean was on to us and he was comparing then because he reckons that the various government departments will come back saying no that's the price it should be it should be around roughly 12 euros to go up and down from Mallow to Cork and that we can't be comparing uh, Mallow to Middleton and he's worried that that's the response we will get back. So uh, he gave an example of areas of Kildare uh, that the train station would be in the same uh, mileage and the same kilometres from an area of Dublin and their rates are also 4.99 or 5.99. Uh, so if they're going to come back with that answer, how come then you can have a train station in Kildare and commuters from Kildare into Dublin paying lower rates because they have the leave card enabled and those who travel from Mallow to Corkin Station. So we'll wait and see what the National Transport Authority come back with. Uh, but at the moment, it's uh, simply a back and forth game and we'll have to wait and see if they'll give us an answer. We also will be discussing that in more detail on tomorrow morning's Cork Today from 10am. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And a reminder, the Premier League Live, it's back at this Saturday on c103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by by TalkSport. We'll bring you live coverage of Leicester City taking on Chelsea at 12.30. Aston Villa will meet Brighton at 3 and Liverpool take on Arsenal at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business support all across the county. See corkcoco.ie And Kildallery Home Bingo Books they're now on sale in the usual outlets in the Kildallery area. This week's Snowball Prize is €400. Euros. And Mitchellstown Credit Union will host the launch of Terror from the Theatre by Frank Keating. That's going ahead this Friday at 7 o'clock. And Bingo this Friday night in Mallow GAA Complex. It starts at 8.15pm. Covid certs required for entry. And Drive-In Bingo in the Creamery Yard in Kildallery is on this Friday at 8 o'clock. And Knocknagree Penny Dinners Collection is being held next Saturday and that's happening between 10am and midday in the Community Centre in Knocknagree. Items acceptable are cash, perishable goods and home baking. Also new toys and Christmas cakes. You're asked to please support this for Penny Dinners. And your texts and WhatsApps are welcome if you would like to win one of those Get Up and Go diaries. We have the Genius Journal, a hardback edition, a Get Up and Go Busy Woman with a wall planner included in this and the Good Health and Wellbeing diary. They're the Get Up and Go diaries. We spoke with Brendan Sands, the publisher, yesterday on the show 
and they are full of positivity and inspirational quotes and they are loved every year they go on sale the 2022 editions now on bookshops and if you want to pick up yourself a get up and go diary you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and we'll have winners uh, before one o'clock this Tuesday afternoon very shortly we're going to be joined by Joe Heffernan and this is a call we got to the show to ask Joe to discuss the issue of gaslighting you might ask what is gaslighting well and this is, uh, the name of this came from the, the, the 1940s era, 1950s, and gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse where a person or a group makes someone question their sanity, their perception or their uh, reality of memories. And people often can experience being anxious or confused and they're unable to trust themselves. And uh, it's something that when the caller was on to us, she was giving her own description of this. And we did mention we'll discuss it and we got a lot more calls after that from people who felt that they were gas uh, not only by by, by uh, husband or wife but the gaslighting happens to them from other members of their family as well and many were when they were in hospital or sick so we'll discuss that with Joe very shortly on the programme a lot of people reacting to our, our comment there regarding the leap card machine we will discuss that in more detail tomorrow morning on the show but yeah people angry and annoyed over that and we'll wait and see what we get back from the National Transport Authority uh, but I spoke earlier with Councillor Ken O'Flynn and this was regarding moneylenders who are now basically threatening vulnerable people in our society who feel they have nowhere else to go only turn to a money lender. They're seizing social welfare cards. They're waiting outside post offices to take the money of people when they collect it from the post office and a number of people have been on that are aware of this happening to people and a lot of the time I know people run about the guardie but the guardie don't know they can't be outside a post office waiting if they're not aware this is happening and one of the big things is out of this people are not reporting these money lenders because they're too embarrassed because first of all they have a approach these lenders because they find themselves in a a particular situation and they're trying to do their best for their children or child for the Christmas period so they're trying to get everything they can uh, to give their family a proper Christmas well Dan says JP where I am living there is a moneylender operating in my town and it's in the manner you described earlier in the show I saw this myself with my own eyes and Dan is mentioning about the Gardaí we have a lot of Gardaí here in this town but it still goes on says Dan and I suppose again you know and it was mentioned by uh, Councillor O'Flynn even though there is guards in a guard station if they're unaware, if it's not reported to them, uh, how are they going to know? But then if they're aware the moneylender is operating, there is a lot of investigations going on in the background. Uh, and while it mightn't be very evident to the public eye, there is investigations going on at the moment with regards to money lending in the background so hopefully where you are it is happening there as well with regards to that area and interesting uh, this is Trish on a text to 0862103103 when earlier on we were speaking with the Irish Sun political correspondent Adam Higgins on people returning to work and it's not mandatory uh, to go and work from home but it has been advised now for people who were returning to the office to return back uh, to the home place to work Uh, Trish says well I have just return to the office within the last two weeks I am loving it not loving the traffic but I am loving being back in the office I feel I can get more done without distractions but also with newer systems in place I can ask people questions I felt isolated when I was at home and with various things changing I was unable to uh, complete actions in my job because I was just simply confused and I found then 
because of this I was working longer hours longer hours trying to figure out what I was doing anyhow uh, because of this Trish is not very happy that she could have to return home and she's wondering are others feeling the same I would imagine depending on the circumstances people are because I think at this stage from a survey that came out yesterday from Pure Telecom they found that more than a quarter of those are reconsidering their attendance due to the numbers of uh, rising figures but one in five office workers they want to return to the workplace full time and on average then workers would like maybe a three day a week in the office and a two day a week at home so while it seems more people like to return to the office yeah it could happen but possibly will that you'll be told to work from home again for the next while or maybe they'll have a hybrid model that might suit you Trish maybe working three days in the office two days in the house but I understand your frustration the fact if things are changing in the workplace you're not there it's very hard to get your head around new systems that might be implemented uh, and you've no control over those and you've no one to ask and hi to Kitty who says JP I missed you earlier when you were calling out who is arriving into I'm a Celebrity I love that show so who is it well Kitty David Ginola he is the ex-footballer he is for a well-known Frenchman in the football world he's going to be there also if you ever watch BBC Louise Mitchin uh, she I think she presented BBC Breakfast for many years she was also on BBC News she's going to be in there the music producer Naughty Boy is going in there as well also and it's been done in Wales by the way it's not going to Australia in the jungle they're back in that castle in Wales they were in last year uh, Matty Lee who's a well-known Olympic diver for the UK he'll be within the castle this year in Wales and Arlene Phillips Arlene uh, well known in the theatre industry if you, if you see her face if you don't know a man about you recognise her face alright I'm sure she has been on, on TV as well she was involved in, in Strictly over the years Arlene Phillips will be uh, within the castle as is Danny Miller if you watch Emmerdale you'll know he plays the role of Aaron in uh, the soap Emmerdale and Richard Madeley who is well known for his current stint on Good Morning Britain but also better known over the years than the early years of this morning when he presented the show with his wife Judy Finnegan and they're well known as Richard and Judy he's also going to be within the castle and later arrivals then include um, Adam and Stevie and they will be better known as Ian Beale from EastEnders and uh, Steve isn't it from Coronation Street so that is the lineup there for you Kitty for I'm a Celebrity Kitty a big fan on the way though we are going to be joined by our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan discussing that issue of gaslighting Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now we got a call a few weeks ago on the show to discuss the issue of gaslighting with our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan. Joe Heffernan does join us as usual on a Tuesday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. And before we get into gaslighting, I know you want to say a big thank you for an act of kindness to a guy who helped you out when you, you broke down recently, did you? Well, I'll tell you now, I was... Um uh, putting air in my tires, um, um, and um, the the thing wouldn't work at all, and uh, I thought I was using it incorrectly. And there was this guy. I got out of a car near me, and I just said, "Hello there. Do you know how to work this? Because it's a newfangled thing yeah. at the um, at the super value." So he said, "I do, yeah." And uh, so he came over, we put some money into it, I didn't know anything about that, and um, uh, we proceeded to pump up the tyre, but it wouldn't work at all. And it turned out that the valve on the wheel was faulty. So anyway, uh, he finished up on a very cold ground, 
and a wet ground, um, helping me to change the tyre, um, which he did, and got me off the road so that I could get back home. And uh, later on, uh, the following day, I could get that um, that valve fixed. fixed and yeah. that man's name was James Daly, and uh, he he really he really helped me in a in a big way and at enormous inconvenience it was a horrible old evening and um it involved um being down on the ground um to try and get the the thing into the to lift the the jack and all that and kind of stuff that to tell you the truth i'm not able to do anymore because i have a back problem and um i would be wrecked if i tried to do it but, well, um, and anything with a car and a breakdown, especially on a bad evening, there's nothing worse than that. So well done, oh, James yeah. Daly. Uh, fantastic uh, to know there is a lot of people out there who still do come to the aid of people, uh, considering everything going on. And an act of kindness will always acknowledge those. So Absolutely. well done to James. Has and to I done. mean, it was way above and beyond the, yeah. the, the Call of Duty. Call of Duty, yeah. Uh, fair he play really to him. went to town on it and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and got me mobile. Yeah. Well, well so done to James. James. Uh, fair play to you. Well, now we'll uh, discuss this issue that we got a yeah. we got one call and you mentioned it the last day and we got a yeah. number of calls since Joe and just first of yeah. all explain I, I touched on it there before the air break but just explain about gaslighting and what it can do because a lot of people are saying it happens in the household regarding family and regarding husband and wife but it can also happen to people who may be in nursing homes or hospitals and are very ill and people can take advantage of them that way as well and that's what we heard from the second time we mentioned it on air we got calls on that side all of it right. Well, first of all, I used to wonder um, how in the name of God did the word gaslighting uh, come to be the term used for that kind of behavior. And it turned out that there was a film in the 1940s and it was called Gaslight. It had Ingrid Bergman, Charles Boyer and Angela Lansbury, um, who I think is now living down in East Cork. Um, We'd all know her from Murder, She Wrote. And um, uh, the film was about a manipulative and scheming husband who was um, manipulating his wife to the extent that he was persuading her that she was insane. And the whole thing, uh, in that case now, in the film, in Gaslight, was um, uh, about uh, an inheritance or something in that line. I haven't seen the film. But that's where the word gaslighting comes from. And, I mean... Uh, so that at least explained to me how 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 that term ever came to be um, in existence, gaslighting. And what is it then? Well, the best I could come up with is that it's a form of psychological abuse to install in another person an extreme sense of anxiety and confusion, whereby the victim no longer trusts his or her own memory, perception, or judgment. The person begins to doubt themselves, or him or herself, to be correct, um, wondering, you know, am I, am I behaving irrationally? Um, is it the way that I'm not seeing reality as it is at all? Um, you know, can I trust my own judgment in the world? Um, I remember somebody mentioning to me many, many years ago uh, an incident where um, uh, it was a partner, uh, he banged his coffee cup down on the table violently. 
the coffee spilled out uh, all over the place uh, on the table. And then he turned to his partner and said, now look what you made me do. So somehow he loses his temper. He bangs down the coffee cup. He ruins the tablecloth, etc., etc. And then he says, now look what you made me do. Um, it's that kind of thing of that the other person is constantly put down and blamed for every single thing that goes wrong until the person will we'll take the stereotypical, we'll say the man um, uh, has banged down the coffee cup and we'll say the woman is the partner. And um, she begins to think eventually after being worn down by um, maybe years of this, that, you know, maybe it is all my fault. Maybe it is I'm doing everything wrong. Um, so you're wearing you down know, a person basically using emotional abuse at them constantly over a number of years. Absolutely. That just about, that, in a nutshell, that sums it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The victim eventually thinks that she's, um, uh, we, we, you know, losing her mind, that she's saying, Chicas, um, wait, wait a minute now, um, you know, um, did that really get said at all? Uh, what, what, was it meant that way? And she's been told it was not meant that way, and you're just causing a load of trouble here. Um, you're picking things up wrong. You're imagining things. And, 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 and eventually, the, the, uh, the person at the receiving end of this gaslighting begins to wonder maybe it is all my fault. Maybe I am imagining things. Um, maybe that didn't get said at all. Or maybe if it got said, that um, maybe I picked it up all wrong. So, like, um, there's, a, there's a huge control issue in a JP. Um, you know, the, the, the person eventually becomes um, uh, controlled, and uh, in in everything, we'll 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 continue with the stereotypical of we'll say the the victim is the woman and the man is the perpetrator, even though that that is not necessarily um um correct. But rather than trying to get around that every single thing we say, so the victim then be, gets to be more and more insecure. She begins to doubt the fact. Did this really happen? Am, am I imagining it? And wonders if the problems are all my fault. That's, um, that's, uh, that's classic um, uh, uh, gaslighting. Um, uh, on the control issue then as well, um, you know, the, 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 the victim is um, uh, uh, persuaded or uh, whatever the word is, um, uh, to break off from outside friends, organizations, etc. And why would that be? Why would they not want them then to be uh, going to the outside world? Is it because someone may figure out what's actually happening? Absolutely, and it and it's another um, it's another manifestation of the control issue. You know, the more a person is isolated, the more. Um, the influence of the uh, perpetrator about it's all your fault, it's um, you're imagining things, ah, you're being paranoid now, 
uh, the more that a person hears all this kind of thing, and the more that they're isolated from outside either support or um, uh, maybe an, uh, um, an opportunity to share what's going on. We'll say that um, there's a, a good friend that the, um, uh, that the victim um, uh, would meet up with and, and, and would share stuff. Um, uh, lies would be taught like you know, that, that, that person is, is only uh, trying to uh, cause trouble. Um, uh, th- that kind of old talk is only so to, to break us up, to cause, um, to cause uh, uh, friction. Um, uh, don't, be, don't be listening to him or her um, at all. Um, uh, the, that's all old um, stories and lies and, and, and wrong information. So the person then begins to doubt um, the friends. Yeah, maybe, maybe they are just being horrible. Maybe they are not on my side at all. Um, and then becoming kind of paranoid then within yourself, I suppose, and being told that. Precisely. Yeah, precisely. Um, the person is told, you're just being paranoid. Um, you know, um, what you're saying doesn't make any sense at all. And... Um, uh, events that happened are things that were said are kind of, um, you know, twisted round and that. And um, so that the person, if they're hearing this for long enough, uh, begins to think, maybe, 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 and maybe, maybe that I'm, that is me, that I'm all wrong. Yeah, because from those, then they were calling us, there was the issue of finances and then being told that maybe I need to control and look after your finances because that they felt that person was more or less losing their mind is what the victim thought then was happening to them and they were being told that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we've all heard about the different kind of, um, you know, we've heard about elder abuse and we've heard about financial uh, abuse. Yeah. Um, uh, the the, the put-downs again would be like... Um, um, sure, look, I, 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 I must control the finances. Um, you have no idea at all about spending. Um, you know, uh, so someone has to have a bit of sense around here and, um, and, uh, and, and, and look after that end of things. So now the person has another put down that they're incompetent and that, um, and that there's really, they're not to be trusted, um, uh, with the money side of things. Um, yeah, and it's 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 a horrible picture, JP, isn't it? An it awful is picture. Horrible, and it's it's really all about control. It's somebody who just cannot let go of control and just feels that they should own that person more or less for their life, and that no one else can have a a look in or a say in on what they want or what they want to do. It's the one person will control what they do. Absolutely. A lot of that, Absolutely. Yeah. Awful. Really awful yeah. situation to be in. Uh, we'll yeah. hopefully that highlights it and, and help the people that were on to us, Joe. Thank you for joining us and yeah. we'll, we'll talk again we next week. Say, JP, um, awareness is curative. It is. And I mean, if mm. the person hears that and they say, crikey, that's what's happening with me, well, that helps. 
totally it helps yeah and if they are kind of half suspicious that's happening with others uh, maybe it's no harm to, to see and, and ask a few questions uh, you know if you don't want to yeah. ask you won't get I suppose in a way thanks Joe uh, yeah. for joining us uh, that is Joe Heffernan is an accredited counsellor he is based in Boherbui and you can contact Joe on 086-834-8145 well done to our winners of our Get Up and Go Diaries Siobhan O'Sullivan is in Milford also well done to Deirdre McCarthy in Rossmore and Kitty O'Sullivan in Tomes and McCrew Patricia Messenger back tomorrow from 10am thanks to Bernie who produced I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your Tuesday afternoon Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and protecting Potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.